This is Sports Jam. I'm Doug Doyle. Coming up this Saturday, March 26th, the professional lacrosse team, the New York Riptide, will be hosting a match to celebrate diversity and inclusion in the sport with Lacrosse is for Everyone Night when the Riptide hosts the Albany Firewolves at Nassau Coliseum. In an effort to uphold the National Lacrosse League's longstanding mission of using the game of lacrosse to drive positive social change and foster more inclusive communities, the Riptide hope to provide a safe, positive, and inclusive environment for players and families, regardless of race, color, religion, national origin, gender, disability, sexual orientation, and socioeconomic status. And the game will be highlighted by video recognitions throughout representing a wide spectrum of programs and lacrosse-related individuals. Two people who know all about inclusivity in the sport of lacrosse. Join us. Damon Edwards is a defenseman for the New York Riptide from Toronto. Damon, great to see you, and thanks for joining us. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on today. And also joining us is Dr. Fred Opie, who not only is a professor of history at Babson College in Massachusetts, but he played for the New York Saints in pro lacrosse and also had an amazing collegiate career at Syracuse. Dr. Opie, thanks for being here. My pleasure. So let's talk about, first of all, the need to have something like this, Damon, where there's a need to talk about inclusivity in the sport of lacrosse and get the word out. Your thoughts on lacrosse is for everyone night. Yeah, no, this is uh, this is an amazing way to represent, you know, diversity and inclusion and what's what's needed still in our in our sport of lacrosse, for sure. And, you know, it's great that we're recognizing it, but, you know, we need to continue to do these, um, you know, these positive things, uh, you know, not just not just on Saturday night, but, you know, in everyday life, too. And during the course of your career, have you felt the need that you felt like an outsider at times in the sport of lacrosse or not? Yeah. So, you know, I can say definitely, you know, in my minor lacrosse days and my junior A lacrosse days that, you know, I often, you know, I felt like an outsider, right. On most of my teams, I was the only, you know, person of color, you know, on my team, you know, fortunately, you know, in, in the NLL, you know, I haven't experienced any, you know, negativity or anything like that, um, you know, due to the color of my skin, but, you know, I did growing up and, you know, that's, you know, part of the reason why I, uh, you know, created my program, Damon 4-5, is, you know, to kind of teach the youth about, you know, the importance of, you know, being inclusive and, you know, the importance of diversity. We've seen an effort like this throughout many different sports, and it's so important. And Dr. Opie, your days at Syracuse, you know, when I think of Syracuse lacrosse, the first thing that pops into my mind is one of the first guests that I had on this show, Sports Jam, was Jim Brown and his amazing uh, lacrosse career at Syracuse. You were part of a couple of great teams at Syracuse that went on to play in the national championship game against John Hopkins. But tell us about what you faced when you were playing lacrosse there at Syracuse. It's amazing, Doug, that you had the opportunity. You just said that in passing like it wasn't nothing. You interviewed Jim Brown. That is an amazing opportunity. I had a chance of actually meeting Jim Brown when I was in my, I transferred to Syracuse after time in a community college. And when I transferred in, it was the, that would have been the fall of 83. Syracuse had just won their first national championship. And the next year, uh, in the spring of 84, Jim was inducted to the Lacrosse Hall of Fame. 
and to give you some more some context in 84 franco harris is about to uh to overcome jim in the, in the national football league rushing record and jim decided with being who he is i'm going to come out of retirement and defend my record so i met jim when he was at that phase of his life he was still working out he was still a uh, just a, a a goddess-like body he still had that kind of uh presence that when he walks in the room you knew he was there and that's when i met him and i just was you know kind of in awe seeing this guy and for those who are listening jim brown is one of the few people who was in two hall of fame he's in the national football hall of fame national lacrosse hall of fame so i think that context is important and i also had seen other of the players you know african-americans there was a guy named sid abernathy who Jim Brown was the first all African American to make first team All American in NCAA lacrosse? Sid Abernathy played at the Naval Academy, and he was the second one. So I saw Sid play in his highlight in, in the heyday of his life, and then I also saw a guy at West Point because I grew up in the Hudson Valley. There was a guy who played goaltender for West Point named Jose Oliverio. He's from Brentwood, not that far from the Nassau Coliseum. Second team All American, phenomenal player. So going into Syracuse, I did have that context. I knew of them. I also knew of another guy named Ed Howard, tremendous defenseman, who didn't start playing lacrosse until he was a freshman at Hobart, went to Hobart to play basketball. And as coach uh, Dave York, another Hall of Famer, was prone to do, saw this guy and said, hey, you'd be a terrific lacrosse player. So I knew there was a legacy in the game. I never had a sense that this was somebody else's game. I certainly appreciated that it was a game of Native Americans, and Syracuse also had that legacy. Now, we've always had Native Americans that played that game. The Onondaga Reservation is not that far, stone's throw from Syracuse University. I had a teammate when I first got to Syracuse, a guy named Emmett Printup. He was a Native American from the uh, uh, Niagara Falls area. The first national championship team at Syracuse in 83. The goaltender there was a guy named, uh, uh, I can't remember the, the, our goalie's name. It'll come to me in a second. But uh, uh, Travis Solomon, that was his name. And Travis, like me, played at a junior college and played at Syracuse. So the history and the diversity at Syracuse may be a little different than a lot of NCAA teams. So my feeling was I was thrilled to be there. I had a coach and Roy Simmons uh, Jr. who was a teammate at Jim Brown. So I think he had a sense of what it might have been like for me and made my situation a whole lot better. Now, away games, that was a little bit different story where, you know, you got some hostility no matter what you look like on your team. But then when you get to the to another field, uh, some, some tough places to play. I will not put any schools out there, but there were some tough places to play and uh, some names called to me that weren't, weren't so nice. But fortunately, you know, my two years playing at Syracuse, we had a record of something like 20 and three. All three losses were to John Hopkins, as you mentioned, two in a national championship and one in a regular season game. So when people were talking smack to me, whether it be racial or not, I, I could just kind of look at the scoreboard and you know, you could pretty much silence them then. Yeah, and we know that with inclusivity now, we're we're not just talking about race. We're talking about everything that I mentioned at the top. 
And, and that's become so important too, Damon, right? When uh, we see that the National Hockey League is, you know, the players are wearing jerseys and, and different colors showing their, their support. I think we're finally waking up, aren't we, Damon? We're finally realizing that everyone needs to be included, right? Absolutely. No, we're, um, I can tell you right now, we're heading in the right direction for sure. Um, you know, even from when I started uh, in the NLL uh, 10, 10 years ago now, I feel like one of the, the old veterans now, but, you know, there wasn't any of this, you know, diversity alliance or anything like that. So, you know, to see this coming about in our league, I think it's just, it's a huge step in the right direction. And, you know, like I said before, we just, we have to keep on going with it, right? It can't be just like, a, you know, Black History Month. Okay, we're going to do this here. We got to keep doing this, you know, throughout throughout the year. Here comes Edwards. Edwards turns on the Jets. Edwards underhand. Scores. Count it. Whoa. Damon, you come from great stock, especially when we talk about Toronto. Your dad, Dwight, was a fantastic wide receiver and kick returner in the CFL with the Toronto Argonauts. Tell us about growing up. Did you want to play football? Where did the cross become between lacrosse and football for you in that household? Yeah, no, absolutely. And growing up, your dad being, you know, this star uh, star player. I, for, I unfortunately, I didn't get to really watch him play. His time was kind of before I was, um, before I was born. But like to hear the stories about it was, you know, it was inspiring, right? And that was kind of, I always, you know, whenever any teacher or anything like that asked me, like, what do you want to be? It was always, you know, professional athlete. And it was never a selected sport because I, I played every sport that I could, right. I didn't want to kind of put myself in one under one umbrella. I played, you know, hockey, lacrosse, football, basketball, rugby. I played kind of, you know, everything, right. To kind of give myself, you know, give myself maybe an option too. Right. So it kind of came down to, like you said, lacrosse and football for me. So, you know, I, I was actually fortunate enough to, to receive a scholarship to uh, a private school uh, in the United States in New Hampshire. And they didn't actually have football there. So at that time I was like, you know what, I'm going to invest, you know, everything that I have, um, into lacrosse now and lacrosse for me, it was always, um, it was always so much fun for me. You know, it was never like going to work or anything like that. I just, you know, I love playing it. I love being with, you know, my teammates all the time. And, you know, that's kind of how it became, you know, my, my true love there. And, um, you know, like I said, once I, you know, went to private school there, I just kind of put all my focus, all my hard work into, um, into the sport of lacrosse. And you know, ultimately that's, um, you know, that's what I picked. And, you know, my dad, um, he, he'll tell you that he wasn't upset that I didn't play football, but <laughs> sometimes I think differently, but, you know, he was always, you know, extremely supportive of, you know, whatever, whatever sport that, you know, I wanted to play, you know, I always had a, his, um, his encouragement, you know, him being a professional athlete kind of gave me that, you know, that goal. And I said, you know what, I, I think I can do that too. So, you know, I love the nickname of the Riptide, but Toronto Argonauts was always one of my favorites, you know, when it came to that. And you <coughs> played in the National Lacrosse League with Toronto and, and came over from there. So, Obviously, your Toronto roots are really strong. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I played in Toronto for, uh, I think it was nine, nine seasons. Uh, and, you know, growing up, 
what playing, you know, watching the Toronto rock, you know, play, it was honestly, it was, it was a dream come true to play for that team for sure. Um, so, you know, ultimately in this past season, it was, you know, one of the hardest decisions that I had to, to make, um, you know, to leave the Toronto rock, but, you know, I, I just thought it was kind of best, um, you know, for me, um, at my time during this career, during my career and, you know, for my family. And a goal for New York! And the Riptide get their first lead of the game with 9.53 to go in regulation. Not only is Dr. Fred Opie a tremendous athlete, but also a scholar, as we said before, he is a professor of history at Babson College in Massachusetts and an author. And uh, one of the books was talking about Black and Latino relations in New York. So this is very near and dear to you when we talk about we talk about race and we talk about inclusivity and we talk about gains in in all aspects of here. When you hear about this lacrosse is for everyone night, obviously that that must touch you, Dr. Opie. It, it touches me, and there's a part of me that that would want to to look deeper and find out, you know, what is this? Is this as many of us say, is it lip service or is it reality? Um, I wonder within the, the league, very similar to professional football, what do we see in terms of head coaches, assistant coaches? What do we see in terms of general managers? I mean, all that involved, people who can make their income from the sport of lacrosse, great sport of lacrosse. By the way, before we got on, I was trying to remember the name of our iconic uh, Afro-Canadian player. And that's Kevin Alexander. So I don't know if Damon, if you remember that name, but I had the opportunity to interview him on my podcast. One of the greatest to ever play, Paul and Gary Gate, John Marichek, three Hall of Famers, Canadian from Vancouver. They all credit Kevin Alexander as uh, the person they want to be with. So, you know, again, there's a long history of these things. And but I always when I, I think this is great because when when I played for the New York Saints back in the day, this was never something that was done within the league. Uh, this whole idea of kind of having this this night where we where we we talk about the game is for everybody. So I'm I'm thrilled to see it, but I'm also want to make sure that the league does not fall into the same thing that they're doing in the NFL, which is play the Negro national anthem and think you did something. That is not enough. We need some serious structural change at every level of the game. So well put, because, you know, I, I love the term lip service, you know, because that it is truly we do really need to see changes, especially when it comes to coaches. And and that brings up, you know, you've had a, a long career already, Damon, as, as a player coaching. Is that something that may be in the future for Damon Edwards? You know, absolutely. I mean, right now, obviously, I'm just playing. But, um, you know, when, during my, my off season, I, uh, I coach uh, the Toronto Beaches Junior A Club. Um, you know, back here from my hometown. And, and I also coach, you know, a minor, minor Toronto beaches team, uh, you know, a U 11 team, right. So younger guys. And then I also coach, you know, a field across team, beast athletics. So coaching, I think is, you know, it's, I've done it for, you know, the past 10 years, I think, right. I think it's, it's in my DNA there for sure. Um, and it's something that I just, I love doing, right. I love, uh, you know, giving back to this, this great game of lacrosse that's, it's honestly, it's given me so much in my life. And this is kind of my way of, you know, giving back to the sport by, you know, showing its, its unique history, um, you know, the, the Haudenosaunee and, you know, teaching that history behind it. And then, you know, ultimately just trying to grow this, um, grow this game of lacrosse. 
those who watch lacrosse and those who who want to play it or are playing, you know, everybody wants to score and grab all the headlines. But you're you're a defenseman, which means you're tough. It means that you don't put you know you don't put up with a lot of a lot of stuff. What's the mindset of a defenseman right now in the National Lacrosse League? Yeah, I mean, the National Lacrosse League it's kind of it's kind of like the NHL where it's kind of gone away from that. You know, those big brute guys you don't see just come whack come you know wacky or whatever so it's kind of gone away from that for sure and same with the fighting too right it's kind of gone away it's it's a lot more talent in our league now right so you see like defensemen now where you know they can go up and they can go play offense and they can score too right so our big you know mindset on on the riptide is you know do your job first right you play defense you stop them from scoring that's your job if we can go up and help the offense we'll go up and help the offense, but, you know, just making sure that you do your job in the back end, you know, don't, don't do too much. Don't do too little, right. Stay within yourself, know your game. And that's how we're going to play. I have to laugh when I, I do any show about lacrosse because it takes me back. Uh, my daughter's a teacher now. And by the way, she graduated with an inclusive ed uh, degree, a master's degree in inclusive education, as we talk about this show. But when she first called me and said, dad, they want me to play lacrosse. I'm going to try out. I said, you know, you just can't try out for lacrosse. You have to have skills. And these are skills that I can't teach you at this point. And uh, she called three days later and said, Dad, they want me to be the goalie. And I said, what? <laughs> this is not a great idea. I know you're a good athlete. And I know that you're a karate, black belt in karate. But I guess you could stop, but you have to be able to catch the ball <laughs> in order to play goalie. Eventually, she became quite a good goalie uh, for the high school team at Wall. But uh, it is a sport that really takes talent. And so, Dr. Opie, when we, when we talk about the sport of lacrosse, it has grown tremendously in, in North America. It's one that I love to watch now. I, I, you know, obviously I know I can't play because when I used to practice with her, I would struggle, right? So I really appreciate, much like hockey, I appreciate the talent level. When do you think is a good time for young kids to get involved who are listening here and they could be of any color? When would be a good time for them to start playing the sport of lacrosse? Doug, before I answer that, I have to say, whoever coached your daughter, the way you described your daughter, they were smart because a good coach will put the best athlete in the goal. Without a doubt, you have to be the best athlete. It's not the newcomer. It's somebody as mobile and it sounds like your daughter was gifted in many other sports and had great eye-hand coordination. And it's probably why they put her in the goal. In terms, and, and the other thing too is um, both of you don't know, but my before I played lacrosse, I played ice hockey growing up. And I played ice hockey for a long time before growing up uh, and, and, and playing lacrosse. I didn't start playing lacrosse until the summer or the, the spring of my eighth grade in school. I know school's a little bit different up in Canada in terms of age, but it's late. I mean, for now, it's late. But I will say, I was just saying this to my daughter who also plays, she's 16, and we were at a game. We saw Boston College play number one, Boston College play number two, North Carolina, this past weekend. And there were a ton of little girls in the stands. The thing I would say is with young kids playing, you got to be careful because if you play too early and you don't get good coaching, you develop bad habits that are hard to break. 
that that's one of the things I say. And in many ways, I picked up the game after having hockey, and hockey was very similar to the eye-hand coordination and the sticks. So that probably helped me out a lot. But I think if you start young, you got to have good coaching. I don't think you can start too young. Both my kids started playing and playing formally as second graders. I coached them all the way up until they didn't need me to coach them anymore. Uh, and they did good. But I was also very intentional with making sure it was fun for them. That's that's another thing. It's interesting. Just yesterday in my class at where I teach, one of my one of the students in my class, well, a couple of them are lacrosse players, women lacrosse players. And one of them said that she had decided, and this is halfway through the season, she decided to stop playing. And she told her coach she stopped playing. What I thought was interesting was she, first of all, had the courage to say, I don't want to play anymore. And when you asked her why, she no longer had a love for the game. So I think you can start playing this game like probably Damon had and I had. I had a love for the game. I was passionate. I like him. I played in many different sports, but ultimately I played lacrosse at the collegiate level because I had a love for the game. So you can play at any level, but are you playing because you want to? And I will say to all the parents out here listening, if you buy your child a stick and you're the one telling the kid to go practice, you got a problem. A friend of mine, Don McPherson, who played in the Canadian Football League, he was a Heisman Trophy runner-up, college uh, football Hall of Famer. He said something to me that I thought was really profound when I interviewed him on my podcast. He said, if you got, I don't care if it's a tennis racket or a lacrosse ball, a lacrosse stick, put the stick down in the yard and see if your kid picks it up. If your kid doesn't pick it up, your kid doesn't want to play. And I think that's more important than when you start. As long as your child has a love for the game, you're fine. But you can't want your child to play the game more than the child wants to play. Great advice, and no wonder you have a podcast. Welcome to the Fred Opie Show, where we learn how to make a difference on and off the field. I'm your host, Fred Opie, a former Syracuse University and U.S. National Team athlete, now historian. I use the oral histories of my guests to help you figure out what your gifts are, find the right school to develop them, and give you a plan to give, save, and spend your money and time wisely. Obviously, you have such a great background and, and so many different areas that you can talk about. Uh, do you want to tell us a little bit more about your podcast? Yeah, it started off about four years ago in which I just wanted to interview uh, my you know, colleagues in the game, people who grew up. Again, you know, I stopped playing back in 1993, but I still got a need to scratch that itch. So I started the podcast to do that. And it evolved into interviewing and really trying to cover issues that I thought needed to be talked about. For example, um, I was really concerned with the single sport emphasis that's going on in the United States. And, and whether you talk to hockey players or lacrosse players, talk to some of the best coaches in lacrosse, they all want multi-sport athlete. Yet we keep pushing the kids to play one sport year round. And it's it's not good for them mentally. It's not good in terms of injuries. You know, doctors, surgeons telling them that they're doing ACL repairs early and early. That's a problem. I wanted to talk about this whole idea with the club lacrosse. When I started playing lacrosse, it was a high school game. The only club that existed back then was ice hockey. I mean, I played on a club ice hockey team because we didn't have that at our high school. But things have changed. So I wanted to investigate that, this whole idea of chasing scholarships. I wanted to debunk that, that the target for an academic scholarship here in the United States is as big as a barn. 
the target for an athletic scholarship is as big as a bumper sticker. Yet we have all these parents running around, spending all this money, traveling to all these showcases to try to hit something as big as a bumper sticker instead of aiming for the barn. So those are the kind of issues that I was dealing with and, and questions I was asking. I also want to ask questions about recruiting uh, and these commitments that you hear these kids, you see them on social, social media talking about, I committed to where? What the flip does that mean? People say, I committed. So you get these kids feeling the peer pressure to commit to a school, it may not be a good commitment. So th those are the kind of issues that I really want to talk about, affordability for college, sportsmanship, championship, um, talk about some of the great coaches in the game, and really to pull back the layer to find out were they great coaches. And you know, we talk about Vince Lombardi like he's so <laughs> like such a god. The more you pull back the layer of Vince Lombardi, you might want to question if you want to follow in those footsteps. So those are the issues that I covered. And then when we got to the issue of the Black Lives Matter, I really transitioned to doing more on history, which is what I'm trained to do, and look at some of the systemic issues that are going on in our society and where they come from. So those are, you know, those are really, I want to know the best in the game. I want to know the best in my profession. And I wanted interviews, the kind of interviews that I would want to listen to, which is probably from what I hear so far with the questions you're asking, Doug, you're the kind of show that I want to hear. And I try to produce those type of episodes. I appreciate that. And, and right back at you, Damon, when we talk about the, the New York Riptide, the, the team doesn't have a winning record so far this year, but uh, coming off a win, what do you see the team doing? And, and can this type of game that means a lot more than wins and losses, could this be something that could turn the team around? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, like you said, you know, we, we obviously don't have a winning record right now, but if you take a look back, you know, we've been in every single game, right? If you, if you even take away, we've lost, I think, three games in overtime, right? You put that on our record, what's our record then, right? So we're a second-year franchise right now, right? So we're a, we're a very young team. Um, so, you know, I, we're heading in the right direction, right? And that's, um, that's a huge positive, right? And if you look at us at, you know, the start of the year compared to where we are now, you see the, the progression that we've made. And, you know, that's, that's huge. And I don't know if I can say that for, you know, every team in the NLL, right? So to kind of see that progression that we've made is, is huge. And yeah, it was huge to get a win last week. We just have to think, you know, what's next. And that's always kind of our, our mentality, right? Like, doesn't matter what you did last week. It's it's what what are you going to do this week? Eight seconds left on the first penalty. Five on three situation here for the Riptide, and they score with two seconds left on the first penalty. This is a huge, another huge game for us. Like that, like they all are in um, in our Eastern Conference because you know the it's, it's a very tight um, a tight league, right? And especially in the East here, so. You know, I think we're we're heading in the right direction, and you know, I'm excited to see where uh, you know where this franchise can go. And where do you see your role with this team? For the fact that you're a veteran, that you played with Toronto, and now with this new franchise, I would imagine you're seeing some of the things that you saw several years ago, and able to help this team both as far as individuals and maybe even as a franchise. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I I'm kind of um, I think a relishing in the role of you know a, a veteran now, right? I I was fortunate enough to have some great veteran leadership around me um, with Toronto Rock. And, you know, I kind of took bits and pieces from, you know, each one of those leaders. And, you know, that's what I'm kind of trying to still instill in, um, you know, our team now. Right. And, you know, being a professional on the floor, but also being a professional 
off the floor too. And, you know, that's just kind of what I'm, um, you know, my, my role is, is that on that, um, you know, from being a veteran on the team and, you know, I hope I can just, you know, help our, our team move in, uh, you know, the right direction. Great players have this competitive edge inside them. And I know both of you have to have that. We just have a couple of minutes left here on this edition of Sports Jam. Dr. Opie, I want to know how many times do you go back in your mind those two championship games <laughs> against John Hopkins and and how it went? And if it went differently, what would have, you know, how would your life be like? Doug, Doug, that's a great question. I will tell you, I think if you talk to any collegiate athlete at whatever level, Division Three, Division Two, II, Division One, all of us, if you ask this question, you'll probably get an affirmative answer. We all have that dream that's reoccurring. And the dream is you get a call from your coach and you got another year of eligibility and the coach says, we're leaving for the championship or we're leaving for the final, the conference game, whatever, whatever big game you played in your collegiate career, the bus is leaving in 20 minutes, get your stuff, let's go. And usually what happens in my dream is I get up, I'm running all over the house looking for my equipment. You can't find a glove. You can't find a cleat. You can't find something like that. And the bus is pulling off and you're running, like tripping, trying to catch up to the bus. So I don't think that ever ends. And I, I will tell you, in terms of my career as a scholar now, I am just as competitive as I was on the field. It's just competitive in my area. So it's it's producing the best scholarship. It's getting the best opportunities. It's making sure that I give my students the best type of lectures, give them the best kind of work in terms of grading their paper and giving them you know advantages. Those are, that never stops. And anybody that tells you that it does, I think they're lying to you. We, we all relish in that. You just gotta do it in a healthy way and you gotta learn how to take that energy and point it in the right direction. Damon, I'll let you have the last word. Tell our viewers and listeners of Sports Jam why it's important to be at Nassau Coliseum this Saturday. Yeah, absolutely. So before the game, we're going to be talking um, on a panel and, you know, talking about the importance of, you know, inclusion and diversity, um, you know, not only in, in sports, but, you know, in everyday life. And, you know, it's a conversation that, you know, we need to, uh, we need to keep having. Right. In order to kind of break down um, and break down this barrier. So make sure you get your tickets to uh, Nassau Coliseum on Saturday night. One of the reasons why I do this show, Dr. Opie and Damon Edwards, is to talk to people like you who are so much more than just the athletes on the field. Deep people who have you know, conviction of what they're doing. And it goes way beyond the sport of lacrosse. And that's what we're talking about when lacrosse is for everyone. I want to thank Dr. Fred Opie and Damon Edwards for joining us here on this edition of Sports Jam. Once again, it's March 26th, this Saturday at Nassau Coliseum, the Riptide taking on the Albany Firewolves. And uh, you should be there. And if you're not, hopefully you, like Dr. Opie said, will be a part of making a difference and making a change when it comes to all sports and including all kinds of people and everyone should be at the same playing level. Thanks to both of you for joining us. My pleasure. Thank you. Sports Jam is a WBGO Studios podcast. You can hear all the podcasts from WBGO by going to wbgo.org slash studios where you can hear sports jam with doug doyle on the npr list of podcasts or wherever you hear podcasts special thanks going out this week to sammy steinlight for hooking us up with the new york riptides damon edwards and dr fred opie 
Until our next Sports Jam session, I'll see you at the game.